Thank you, Lord. I'm going to talk fast today. Somebody said recently they heard John preach for the first time, and they said, boy, you got to listen fast. You know, when Easy and I first got married 44 years ago, he's from the country. He married into a family where we're all a lot of Italians, and um, we're passionate about what we say, and we talk a lot. And um, so we're at dinner, and every once in a while, I'd see him sort of jerk a little bit, and then he'd just sit back, and then jerk a little bit, and then he'd sit back. I go, what are you doing? He goes, I'm trying to get in there. And I said, you got to hurry. I, I, he goes, well, I'm waiting for a pause. I go, there won't be one. And so you just got to just insert it where you can. So today I'm going to talk fast, but I want to talk about what matters. And so I'm sure there's somebody in the room who's going, so what do you mean all the other Sundays it didn't matter? But there's a lot of things that matter. We can't cover it all in one service. We can't cover it really all in probably one year. Through your whole life, God is going to be teaching you more and more and more about things that matter. But today, I'm going to deal with four things. The dictionary says this of the word matter as a verb, to be of importance, to be significant. So today, I want to touch quickly on four things before I actually get where I want to go. And I'm going to talk about motives matter. Memories matter, money matters, and ministry matters. The enemy will try to get you to think certain things don't matter, but they actually really do. And then he will try to get you to think that something matters so much and it consumes your time and consumes your thought, and in the end it doesn't matter, it's not worth a hill of beans. And so he is an expert at backwards, upside-down thinking. That's what he does. And he is obviously after our country because they are falling for backwards, upside-down thinking. And he is certainly after the church, because even the church is fallen for his lies. He's after our vision, our passion, our identity, our pursuit of God, our desire to evangelize, and most of all, he's after truth. In this business, I'm going to ad-lib today a little bit about her truth, my truth, his truth. What I'm like, what is that? What is, there is the truth. He says, I am the truth. Now, you may think something's true, but how you feel doesn't change the truth. And maybe the truth needs to change the way you feel. And so we have got to get back in line with the truth of the word of God. And it's so upside down, it's hard to find your way. But God is telling us the way that we are supposed to go. So God is after the things that matter. The enemy is after the things that matter. And God wants the things that matter to matter to you in your home, in your life, in your church. And so he wants us to have a simple childlike love for God. It's such a simple childlike thing to pace around the room. It's such a simple childlike thing to, to, to take a rod and strike a rock. It's such a simple childlike thing to, to take some mud and make it into a paste and put it on somebody's eyes. It's such a simple childlike thing to dip yourself in a river. But you know what? The things that God says, if we will obey the simple childlike things, we will get supernatural results. And so our motives matter. See, do I do a thing to be thought well of by others? Do I do a thing so I'll look sophisticated? Forget that if you want to see a move of God. You know, you've got to be willing to do whatever he says, even if you look foolish. See, even if you look foolish. And so I, I remember things that we've had to do in ministry that God said do, and you're like, how could this work? And it's exactly what God wanted. And in the end, everybody was free and everybody was happy. But sometimes you have to lay down your thought of yourself and your high and mighty, you know, how you appear to people. So if you're trying to please people, if you are trying to be thought well of, you know, what people thought was great five years ago, they'll crucify you for today. People are fickle. So if you're trying to please people, you need to give that up right now. It's never going to work. It never will work. It's nothing but bondage. And so the Pharisees did things for the wrong reasons, too. And we think we despise them. But we, if we're not careful, we'll follow in their footsteps. Now, I never go looking for trouble. I don't look for trouble. But these days, telling the truth can get you in trouble, <laughs> a lot of trouble. And so you're in good company. The same thing happened to Jesus. <laughs> he told the truth, and there was trouble. 
And so I just want to say, God, let my motives be pure. I'm going to skip a lot today. I want to have a pure heart in everything I do. I don't want to have wrong motives. And so let God sift you sometimes. Let him, let him get behind the facade and take off the mask. And why are you doing what you're doing? And, and, and what are you trying to project to people? And all I want to project is obedience to God, whatever that looks like. And so why you do a thing in the kingdom is sometimes just as important as what you do. Number two, memories matter. What you remember and what you reflect on, whether it's good or bad, can control you. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So what you think about can have a powerful effect on you. And how you remember a thing can have a powerful effect on you. See, do you remember just the bad thing that happened to you? Or do you remember how God brought you out of it? See, how you remember it. Do you remember what somebody did to you? Or do you remember how God moved into your heart and actually gave you supernatural ability to forgive them for that awful thing they did? See, how do you remember it? What are you rehearsing? And so if you remember only the the defeats and you're not rehearsing the victories, you are setting yourself up for more defeat because memories matter. Now, painful memories, and I've taught on this for 35, 40 years, can have a powerful emotional residual effect. And they can be attached to you in such a way that it alters your responses and your reactions for life. It changes relationships. It changes outcomes, unless you allow God to heal you in those areas. But rather than talk about it today, I'm going to have Alicia send out links tomorrow. To everybody on the mailing list, we're going to send out a link to War on Soul Trouble. We're going to send out a link to Really Free. I preached it March last year. And, And if you want God to start working with you in the areas of maybe painful things that happen, circumstances you've been through, situations, maybe even as a little child, things that were said to you or or feelings that were embedded in you that need to go because they're holding you back and they cause pressure and pain in your life, these will help you. Money matters. Money matters. You can tell when you go to HEB and everything is a dollar more. You know, my $2 salad dressing is now $3. The ice cream is now $1.40 more. Uh, My son was looking at some storage shelves for for the garage, and the same storage shelves that he bought two years ago for $200 at Home Depot are now $400. What is that, ship out to sea somewhere with those storage shelves? But the thing is, everything's different today. And so inflation is upon us. We read the reports every day. The stock market has issues going on. But money matters, but money matters to God, and your money matters to God. And so, the, But the problem is if it matters too much to us, it will become our God, and that's what God is against. And so God wants us to be able to do what he says with our money. He doesn't want us to be stingy or tight-fisted or disobedient, but he wants us to have everything we need. He wants us to be able to use money as a tool for the kingdom to get the gospel out, to, to run the church, to minister to people, to set up orphanages, to send out missionaries. But if mammon, the desire for material things, rules you, you become a slave to debt. And then all of a sudden, you're, you're not ruling anymore. You're being ruled. And debt is an awful thing. And God doesn't want your money in a constant state of disorder. I loved it that Kirk texted me this morning, and he knows that I've challenged sometimes through the Kingdom Revolution classes about a lot of the practical was left out. And I'm thinking, you know, some people are going to take this and run with it in the wrong direction and leave some other principles behind. And he goes, guess what? I listened to Gary Cassie last night or this morning, and he talked about the fact that you can't occupy what you don't administrate and what you don't administer. And I'm like, yes, why didn't we do that first? And see, there's order that has to come in our life in many areas. God is a God of order. And if we have his order, we will have his results. So God wants to prosper you. He wants to meet all your needs, but he doesn't want money to rule you. Um, 
Number four, we're moving fast. Ministry matters. Now, I don't mean ministry as a profession. And Alan, I think, already took my line this morning during worship because God usually says a thing more than one way. Sometimes you'll see me in my seat going, yes, yes. It's like God is saying that thing to me. And before I can even speak it or pick up the mic, Alan says it. The Holy Spirit is not here to sow confusion. And when he's on a track, he says that thing loud and clear, and you don't have to wonder if that's what he's saying. And that's how many people in the room have gotten used to hearing how the Holy Ghost hears. They'll hear a thing inside, but they're not going to say it because they don't want to be wrong, or they don't know, and they, they, you know, they're not sure if they should even say it. And then someone else says it, and like, oh, that's how God speaks. Oh, that was right. And, and so you learn as you hear from others in the body of Christ. But I don't mean ministry as a profession. We are all in full-time ministry. No matter where we work, no matter how we get our paycheck, if we are a believer, we are all in full-time ministry because the Bible says we are to be able ministers of the New Testament. But I sort of want to talk about ministry matters in that we need to let God minister to us. A lot of people want to do ministry, but you can only give away what you have. And so we need to receive humbly ministry from God, no matter how it comes. And somebody may prophesy to us, and we don't like that word, and so we put it down, but that's the very word God was trying to get in our hearts because we were sort of closing our ears because we didn't want to hear that. Many of the words that God told me in easy, we didn't like them. But you know what? Within 24 hours, we just adjusted our attitude, and we thought, thought God, if you say it, we want to be in agreement with what you say. And so we must allow God to speak into our lives and then obey what he says because we matter to him. See, he's ministering to us continually because we matter. If he sees us stuck in a rut, he doesn't want us to be stuck there. If he sees us where we can't seem to get our breakthrough, he tells us how to get it. See, God gives us instructions all along the way. He loves us so much Boy, the, 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 the bread and the body, the, the power of his blood, it just broke me up. See, he loves us so much that he actually did lay down his life for us. The Bible says that we, the people, we are the sheep of his pasture. The shepherd laid down his life for the sheep. See, he would lead them. He would lead them into pasture land. He would feed them. He would get their wounds and heal them and pour in the oil. But John 10, 7 says this, I am the gate for the sheep. That's an odd statement. I am the door of the sheep. Sheep in the countryside in Israel would have a pen. It was nothing more than a whole bunch of rocks sort of piled up against a wall so that there was like a round enclosure that they could come into and be safe. But there was no gate. It's just out in the open. There was no door. So the shepherd at night would drive the sheep into the little enclosure But since there was no gate to close, just an opening, he would keep the sheep in and keep the wolves out by lying across the opening himself. He laid down his life for the sheep. And so he would sleep there, and he would literally become the door to the sheep. Jesus is not just our good shepherd. He is our door. He is not just our door. He is a light to our path. He's the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. 
He wants to lead us. We are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. So what he says to us matters because one of the primary ways that he leads us is by what he says to us. And we can become so used to his voice. We're like the kids that the mother says your name over and over and you just tune her out because you've heard it so many times. And we must not be those people. And so when we have worship on Sundays and words are coming forth, I take them as my, my instructions for the week, my, my word from God for the day. I don't let it go, and I rehearse it, and I think about it. And so it's a major way that he wants to speak to us. See, we say, oh, we wish we could hear from God. We are. But are we doing what he says? Are we even paying attention? See, we must live by every word that proceeds from his mouth. He still speaks today. So we just heard John 10, 7. Now, in John 10, 10, though, he clarifies, and he says, the thief comes. He says, I am, I'm the door of the sheep. I lay down my life for the sheep. But he, there's an enemy. And so he says, John 10, 10, but the thief comes, and he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So the thief will always take things from us if he can. He'll snatch a lamb faster than you can blink if he can. On January 16th, two weeks ago, God spoke to us loud and clear. I'm sure people have labored on church staffs to try to come up with cute little slogans or ditties for the year. It's not our style. We don't do that. You know, God is great in 78. You go, 78? Boy, you go back a long time. Uh, Come alive in 1985. I I have stuff like this in my Bible. I've had my Bible for a long time. A taste of heaven in 97. You know, I... (laughs) But we didn't do that. Alan wouldn't let me. He would say that was cheesy. And um, so, (laughs) but God spoke prophetically through Alan. We didn't even get one song done that Sunday. See, we had four songs. We we come in with a plan. See, some people go, I just never plan. I just let the Holy Ghost do. They come in and they just make fools of themselves. See, you come in with a plan. But if God overrides your plan, let the plan go. You know, let the plan go. Who's in charge here? What's it all about? We are here for you, God, not for our plan. So Alan starts singing, and he can hardly get, what, two lines out? And somehow it seemed like he started singing, we're taking it back. And he sang it Pentecostal, and then he sang it rock, and then he sang it worship, and then he sang it loud, and then he sang it soft. And we must have said, we're taking it back 500 times. It seemed like, now I exaggerated a little bit because I'm Italian. But, you know, we said it over and over and over because, you know what, God is trying to get that on the inside of us. It wasn't a suggestion. We've had some things stolen, and yet we would sit back and settle and just wait for the next thing to happen. But God says, no, go back and take what's yours. Don't settle for that theft. See, go back and recover your property. And so it wasn't just a theme for the day. It wasn't just something to give us an extra sizzly song service. It is what Jesus actually did when he was on this earth. Everywhere he went, he took ground back that the enemy had stolen. Everybody that was healed, where there was sickness and disease, he healed them. He's taken ground back from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Everywhere there was bondage, he performed deliverance, taken back. Everywhere people couldn't think straight and they needed renewed minds, he set them in their right mind. He's given them a new way of life, he's taken back. Provision, where there was lack, he's taken back. So God told us that we must quit being on the defensive and go on the offensive. We got to move. We got to get up out of our seats and maybe walk. 
we got to get up out of our seats and shout and dance. we got to do some things. And sometimes you can be sitting down on the uh, outside but standing up on the inside. So your response on the inside is sometimes more important than your response on the outside. But I want to obey every word of God. We cannot settle and maintain. God says we must press in and obtain. So in order to gain ground, this is how you do it. First, you got to make a decision. You must decide that you want to take it back. Because I want to tell you the truth, it will not happen by accident. It must be done on purpose. To have revolution, you need resolution on the inside of you. As for me and my house, see, i got to say, we're taking it back. I told Alan, order a sign that says we're taking it back. And he goes, what? And I go, I want to put it on the screen. He goes, well, I don't know if we could do that graphically. It won't work. But I go, then get a sign. And he goes, are you serious? I go, I'm serious. I'm serious. Get a sign. And so we've got a sign coming, and it says we're taking it back. And one of them takes up two of those little signs in front, and one, when we need another sign, we have a smaller version just for the top only. Because, you know, the Jewish men, they use frontlets. They put these things around their forehead. It had the word of the Lord in it so they could pull it down and read it. And they could see it. It was right in front of their eyes whenever they needed it. Right when you come in, right in front of your eyes, I want you to see what God said. Because we didn't come up with this slogan. We didn't sit around and try to think up something cute. But God said it. And if God said it, I believe it. And that settles it. And that's what we're going to do. But we've got to agree with him to see that these things are recovered. It might be your kids. It might be your health. It might be your peace of mind. It might be the joy of your salvation. It might be the intimacy that you once had with him. You might be praying for our country and the perversion that's in it. You might be praying for your city or your neighbor. See, what are you, what are you praying for? Whatever it is that you've lost, take it back. How will we do that? Well, some things we're going to have to resist. We're going to have to resist discouragement. We're going to have to resist complacency. Some things we're going to have to rebuke. The lies of the enemy, it's not going to happen. Everything's going to be the same. Take it back, you're getting worse. How are you going to take it back? You can't even get back where you were. Terry had a word for easy about, I don't know, five or so months ago, out of Psalms, I believe. I have it in his phone, and um, I don't have time to pull it up today, but it was like he will go from strength to strength. Well, that just sort of sounds odd. You know, when you're coming on 89 years old, how are you going to get stronger and stronger? That's not the normal way. But God's not normal. And Easy is stronger today than he was five months ago. And the physical therapist called and he goes, why is he even coming anymore? He goes, this, I can't even justify this, like on the insurance forms. He, he goes, he's working out at home and he's doing all that other stuff. He doesn't need me anymore. And so if God says a thing, we've got to partner with it, though, and we've got to apply faith where God talks. You've got to reclaim, meaning you've got to get specific. What are you taking back? You can just walk around, we're taking it back, we're taking it back. What are you taking back? I don't know. Okay. Some things don't become dynamic until they become specific. So you need to say what it is. And then you've got to renew your mind, your thoughts, the old ways of thinking that things can't get better, the old ways of thinking that, you know, once you get older, you get sicker. No, you don't. No, you don't. Once you get cancer, you don't die. Once you get older, you don't get weaker. Once you, you know, once you've fallen away, you can come back. See, there's always a reversal in the kingdom of God. Okay, I'm skipping a bunch of stuff. Alan's saying, we're taking it back, but I kept hearing Julia because I listened to the recording over and over, and Julia was saying, we will recover all. We will recover all. And there was such an anointing on it. David went to a battle. See, even people after God's own heart have setbacks. They have setbacks, but they're setups, just like B.B. said. And so David went into a battle, and 
Um, the Amalekites came, and I don't even, it's 1 Samuel 30, you can read it when you go home. But they lost a lot of stuff, and he was very sorrowful when he came back, and he saw that his wives were gone, and his kids were gone, and, and all their possessions had been stolen, and he thought, what do I do? See, we don't presumptuously decide to do things. There are certain principles in the Word of God that we always do. They're always true. We can depend upon that. But when God gives it as a rhema word, there's a power and a timing on it that just supersedes the norm. And so David got Abiath or the priest, and he said, you know, get the ephod and use the urim and the tumim and see what God is saying. And, and God said, go back, pursue the enemy, and you will recover all. That seemed crazy. Sometimes God says stuff to us that seems crazy. And he went in. The Bible said they fought, and before it was all over, David recovered all. We're taking it back, and we're going to recover all. God said it over and over and over. Out of, out of his mouth is how I want to live. God, you speak it, and I'll do it. You know, John 2, 5, y'all know it's my favorite scripture. Whatever he says, do it. He said it. He said it over and over. He said it in song. It doesn't matter. I don't care if he says, says it in Hebrew and Greek and, you know, in, in Italian, if he says it in music or uh, what kind of beat. If he says it, I want to be with, in step with him. And so nature's two greatest forces are wind and fire. We talked about that today. They came up in the, in the worship set. On Pentecost, there was a mighty Russian wind. There were tongues of fire. The devil is always trying to knock the wind out of you or quench your fire. So you've got to resist some things. You've got to rebuke some things. You've got to reclaim some things. You've got to renew some things. And if you get empty, you've got to refill. But make no mistake, we've got a slogan, and we're taking it back. Stand to your feet with me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that every word is true. We thank you for your promises, that they are yes and amen. Lord, you don't make empty promises, but within you is the power to perform every promise you make. And we thank you that when we partner with you, God, that same mighty power that raised Jesus from the dead is in us. And so, God, we join with you, and we say that all things are possible. Nothing is too hard for you. We say that the, the weak will be strong and the poor will be rich. We say that the, the lame will walk and the blind will see. The deaf will hear and the gospel will be preached. And so, Father, I thank you for every person in this room. I thank you the gifts will be stirred. I thank you commitment will be stronger. I thank you that intimacy will be deeper. Father, I thank you that in no way will we lack. We are your people, the sheep of your pasture. You laid down your life for us, God, and so that we might have abundant life. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but you have come that we might have life and have it to the full. I'm not full yet. I want more. And so, Father, I just thank you for every person under the sound of my voice, and we look forward to what you're going to do. Things are happening in our midst already, and more is yet to come.